Alright, Romans chapter 8, let's read verse 9. But in fact, let's just back up and read verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. It's hard to quit. Romans 8 is about is one of my favorite chapters, and it's so rich, and it's just so... Here's what we're going to talk about tonight, led by the Spirit. All right, we've talked a lot in the last couple of years almost here about spiritual warfare. And we've kind of been in it and out of it. And, and uh, you know, I'm going to say a lot of things here tonight about this, but just knowing the truth doesn't help you a bit. That probably makes it worse for you if you don't apply it and obey it. And you know, it's sad that people have to get in such a desperate state before they will do anything about it. Before they'll give up on themselves and start trusting in what in the truth and, and what God said and what can happen if they just put it in God's hands. But people, they don't live in this realm. It's carnal Christianity is what most people have, not spiritual. They don't live in the spiritual realm. They don't have any idea what it's even about. It's just the truth that's fundamental. And, it, it, and it's the fundamental truth that changes lives when you wake up. What is it being born again? What? Born again what? Of the Spirit. You become a spiritual being instead of just a carnal being with a lost soul. Messed up. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, we focus mostly on all this time on the matter of spirits of devils and how to recognize their voices and their methods and their influence and their presence in order to resist them effectively. Because most people don't pay any attention. Life is just really flesh. That's all it is. It's your own intellect, your own intelligence, your own resources, your own reasoning power. That's what we use to fight the battle and it's and it's we lose we lose so we've been studying about that and there's a, there's much more though to this spiritual warfare than just recognizing the enemy you hearing me although that's vital and we're so negligent and weak in that area that we need a lot of preaching to keep us on our toes about that and to keep us awake because Here's what I see. I see people hear that truth and it's like, wow, that is true. And, I, and they, they wake up for a little bit and then they go back to sleep. Yes. In the matter. And they just go right back, revert right back to handling all the problems, dealing with all the drama, dealing with all the confusion and trouble at home and everywhere else with their own carnal self. <clears throat> so we need to be reminded. But the other important part of being deceived by the devil, of avoiding being deceived by the devil, and making shipwreck of our profession is that we know the voice and the presence and the working of the Holy Spirit of God. So we're going to spend a little time studying about the other side of this equation here. Uh, <clears throat> this Holy Spirit of God being led by the Spirit tonight. There's probably more confusion about the true working of the Holy Spirit than there is about the working of the spirits of devils. Now, we preached all this time about, mainly about devils and all of that, but, but there's, I've been thinking about this for weeks, and there is, there's more confusion over the Spirit of God and what He does and how He does it and, and the manifestation of the Spirit of God than there is about the devils. People are so ignorant of the Spirit of God. They're so confused about the Spirit of God. Think about it. Look around at our world and the churches of this world and all the different flavors of Christianity and what they think of the Spirit of God and what they think the manifestation of the Spirit of God is. And it's ridiculous, all, uh, all these things. 
We can be educated about the working of the devils and be knowledgeable and aware of what they're doing to our family, our church, our world, but be completely powerless to resist them effectively. Well, what, what's missing? Why? Why is it that way? How can we hear the truth and say amen to it and, and understand it and agree with it and accept it, but still at a loss? <coughs> Nothing changes. What's missing? The Spirit of God. That's what's missing. If any man have not the Spirit of God, he's none of his. It's frightening to me when I realize how many people are really lost. They sit in church and profess to be saved and think they're saved and have no Spirit of God in them. No fruit of the Spirit. No evidence of the Spirit. No working of the Spirit. No testimony of the Spirit in their own soul. But they religious. They join the religious crowd and learn to speak the language. But the, the real evidence of the Spirit of God is just not there. And if you want to know the truth, that's why the church has as much divorce as the world does. That's why there's as much sin in the churches mostly as there is in the world. Every dirty, rotten, perverted thing that's going on in the world is going on in the churches. It wouldn't be that way if the Spirit of God was in there and working. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Who's that talking about? It's talking about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the most... Uh, is the least recognized, the least were the least familiar with the Spirit of God of any of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's the one that we're least acquainted with and most confused about, and we and and we misrepresent him more. But it's bad to know all the truth and be able to recognize the devil. <coughs> and then not have the Spirit of God. Without the constant presence and the liberty of the Holy Spirit to work in our heart and mind and lead us, we can only watch the show as the devil makes havoc of everything around us. Even in our own mind, in our own soul, in our own life, without His presence and without... His Spirit having liberty to work in our hearts and minds, then we can't defeat anything. We can't escape anything. We can't win. We can't claim victory. We can't know victory in anything without the Spirit of God. Jesus said, It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. But if I go away, I will send the Comforter. Jesus said it's going to be better for you if I'm not here and the Holy Spirit is. When the Spirit of God comes and indwells you, it's going to be better for you than if I am here with you. It's expedient for you. Better for you. And I, I think most so-called Christians have totally missed the whole time. We're just living, walking after the flesh instead of after the Spirit. Just knowledge itself without the Holy Spirit being present, a present reality and a vital influence, it's not sufficient to see the victory in the spiritual warfare. You hear me what I said there? It's vital. We're, if we don't have the Spirit of God as the present reality and that prevailing influence in our life, then, then we're not going to win. We're not going to have victory. In fact, in some strange way, having this knowledge seems to put us at a greater risk of demonic attacks and oppression. The more you know, the more trouble you got. If you don't have the Spirit of God. That's the key thing right there. So we've learned a lot about how to recognize evil spirits. You know, we've talked about this and talked about it. How it's in your mind. All these people that do these horrible things, they'll talk about the voices Yes, Talk yeah. to me. The voices. Yeah. Well, that's no strange thing. Everybody's got voices in their minds. You got them right now. Yes, sir. 
So Brother Plemons told the preacher, and he made a mark on him because he just he keeps telling me about that. How Brother Jeff told him, he said, "Well, you're preaching to the people. Somebody else is talking to him too." That's the way it is. There's always this debate going on in our mind. We're always debating things and arguing our point and listening to their point. And we think we're just reasoning things out. But it's it's a warfare between good and evil. And it's a spiritual warfare going on in your mind. Now if the devil, if you don't have the Spirit of God, then the devil's just got open ground. I mean, he's just got open territory. He can come right in, talk to you, and you don't know a thing. If the Spirit of God is dwelling in you though, there is breaks. There's breaks. There's... Uh, what am I trying? There's boundaries. There's control. There's a, there's reins on the thing. That's what the old timers called the checks of the Holy Ghost. Yes. Now people say, you know, thank God for His grace because I just went and got drunk, and but thank God I can come back and ask forgiveness. The Holy Spirit convicted me after I got drunk. No, He didn't either. That's a bunch of baloney. That ain't how the Holy Spirit works. And that's what I'm talking about here tonight. The Holy Spirit don't just leave you alone and you go off and you're on your own and then when you get in trouble, then He convicts you. No, that we're led by the Spirit. We're never following the Spirit. You know, the Spirit's never following us. We, we follow the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't follow us. We're led by the Spirit. And He don't lead you into sin. I hear people... Thanking God for their sin because without their sin they would have never known. No, no, that's not, no. They talk, I've even heard them say that it must have been God's will for them to be a drunkard, an adulterer, a pervert. Because it brought them to this place. Well, that's, that's messed up. It's not right thinking because it's not truth. And how do we... How do we recognize, now we recognize evil spirits, but how do we recognize the Spirit of God speaking to our mind or working in our lives? Well, I don't have this written down, but I can tell you the first thing that comes to my mind is that the Spirit of God is called the Spirit of Truth. Jesus referred to the Spirit of God as the Spirit of Truth more than once. The Spirit of Truth. Think about that. The Spirit of Truth. How do you know? That the Holy Spirit is speaking to your mind and not a devil. Because it's true. It'll be true. It'll be verifiable from the Word of God. Undeniably. It won't be one of those shady deals where you're twisting the Scriptures. I mean, the Scriptures and the Holy Ghost of God are one. It'll be the Spirit of God will guide us. He said the Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. That's what he does. That's how you know it's him. He's telling you the truth. And he's showing you truth. And he's leading you to the truth. And if the Spirit of God is working in your life, that's what's going to be happening in your life. You're going to be learning more and more of the truth. And you're going to be lit up about it too. He's not going to have to drag you through the truth to get you. No, you'll willingly follow because it's truth. Do you know what it's like when you hear something that opens your understanding to the truth a little more? I mean, do you know what that is like? When you just realize something from the Word of God that you didn't realize before. Not some different, new thing. It's just some truth that's unveiled in your mind and then and you see for the first time. And immediately your mind just goes scanning through all that you... No, and it fits. Just It just lights up everything else. All the truth, you know, it just lights it all up. <laughs> That's the Holy Ghost. That ain't the devil. The devil's darkness. The devil confuses you. The devil troubles you. The truth makes you free. You just feel this liberty when you understand and learn the truth. That's the Holy Ghost. Now the New Testament gives us plenty of information about the working of the Holy Ghost. In the church age, 
You know, it's different in this church age than it was in the Old Testament age. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant, <laughs> vastly different, yet the same. <coughs> better promises, a better covenant, better sacrifices, a new and living way. The Spirit of God living in us. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. Wasn't that way in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God worked. The Spirit of God came upon certain men, but He didn't live in them like He does now. And that's the wonder of it all. And that's why that things should be vastly different than they are in the churches and among people who profess to be Christians. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It's as startling, troubling statement right there when you look around you. Now, the only reason that many are ignorant concerning the Holy Spirit is because they're deceived by the devil about it. Now, the devil wants you to be deceived and confused and ignorant about the Holy Spirit of God and His work now. There's plenty of information about the Spirit of God in the church age, so there's no excuse for being ignorant. There's more superstition involved in what's being called the working of the Spirit of God than there is truth from the Word of God. Is that clear? I mean, there's more superstition involved in what's being called the working of the Spirit than there is truth from God's Word. The stuff people are assigning to the Holy Ghost, attributing to the Holy Ghost. Ha! Mercy. I could go into all kinds of stories and illustrations there, but there's no point in that. There's, a, there's superstition. The devil is a deceiver and an imitator, so he'll do his best to disguise his lies and tricks as the working of God. But he's not called the Holy Spirit for nothing. He's not just called Spirit with an S, a capital S, for, you know, for nothing. He's the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you that way. He won't lead you into ungodliness. So, anywhere where all this ungodliness is going on, that is not the Holy Ghost. That's not evidence that you can't say the Holy Ghost is involved in that because He's not. People are so superstitious that as long as it appears to be something supernatural, it's accounted to God. I've had people actually sit and look me in the face and tell me that Jesus came down and sat on the hood of their car while they was driving into Piedmont one night. Yeah. I've had them tell me that. I've had them tell me that they were in the bed and Jesus came through the ceiling and sat on the foot of their bed and talked to them. But you know what I also found out? Neither one of these people were living holy, had any kind, they were living as wicked and as low as you can live. And then trying to tell me how that they were so spiritual that, man, God just visited them personally, face to face, in visions and dreams and Holy Spirit of God. No, that ain't the Holy Spirit of God. Or you'd, you'd be completely different than what you are now. <laughs> so... You know, superstition. We That whole message that I preached when we started this, that was the first message about this spiritual warfare was superstitious. Are you saved or just superstitious? <laughs> that really got me to thinking. Because there was a guy calling me during those days and he was uh, over in North Carolina or somewhere over there. And you know, you remember that? He was, thought, man, he was a strange one. I've met some strange ones. He took the cake, and and it troubled me so much because I talked to him for hours and hours and hours and hours on the phone. Mostly he did the talking, telling me wild things, and it just it just really stirred my soul because here's a man that's so caught up in this that I don't know how in the world. How did the devil get a hold of him like that? Because he kept listening to the devil. So there's, there's just so much more confusion. 
and lies about the Holy Spirit, that it's easy to be deceived and led astray. So what does the New Testament teach us about the working and the evidence of the Holy Spirit? Well, a whole lot. More than we've got time to talk about tonight here. But first of all, we're taught repeatedly that a born-again child of God is led by the Holy Spirit of God. It's not, an, it's not one of two options you have as a Christian, to walk after the flesh or after the Spirit. Those are not options. It's stated clearly here in Romans 8, more than once, that there, if you're not led by the Spirit, then you're not a child of God. And if, you're, and if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you're not a child of God. The, when somebody gets saved and born of the Spirit, God puts His Spirit in them. And it makes a totally different. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things, all, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. So, it's a new creature. A new creation. You're a different person. The old man is dead. You're not dragging him around, handcuffed to you. It's not a white dog, black dog fighting in you. What a, what a blasphemous thing to say to me. That is as blasphemous. Ain't no such a thing as that. The Holy Ghost is a dog. I mean, is that what's going on? The devil and the Holy Ghost, like dogs fighting in you. No! It's not what the Bible teaches about being saved, being a Christian. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That last phrase there, that is what the rest of the whole chapter is about. Read it. It just keeps hammering that, hammering that, hammering that. Walking after the flesh or after the Spirit. Marking the difference. And marking the fact that those who are born of God walk after the Spirit. You're not in the flesh. If so be that the Spirit of Christ dwelleth in you. If. If the Spirit of Christ don't dwell in you, you're in the flesh. You're in the flesh. You're living in the flesh. Yes. Walking after the flesh. People think the flesh is our body. That's not what the Bible's talking about when it's talking about the flesh. You're, it's the realm you live in. The mind you have. You're either of the world or you're of God. It's either of the flesh or of the Spirit. And the Spirit's missing most of the time. And most of the folks that I see. People can't understand. I read, you know, about ball games and, and the things of this world, the things that everybody seeks happiness in in the world. What in the world? Well, they don't see the difference. Well, what is the, what's the missing element there? The Spirit of God. I don't know. It happened to me. When I got saved, I lost my appetite for all of that stuff. Yes, I didn't want it no more. This world is lost. It's appealed to me. I did not want it anymore. And still don't. I think it's foolishness. I think it's vanity. Just like the Bible says it is. And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. How can you do the will of God? <laughs> Only if the Spirit of God dwells in you. Only by being led by the Spirit. And that's not going to happen unless He dwells in you. For real. For real. Not just imaginary things. People say they get saved and then they start living this life of rules and, and regulations and fitting in and trying to sign up with some creed or denomination or what, find a place where they fit and just without the Spirit of God. Makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? Well, it means that the Spirit of God, the Word of God, is the prevailing influence in your life in your mind, and in your heart. Y'all understand that? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, 
with all thy soul and with all thy strength. That's what that's the first commandment. That's the greatest commandment, Jesus said. And the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. <clears throat> that don't sound too unreasonable to me. If the Spirit of God lives in you, if you're led by the Spirit, then that's the prevailing influence in your life. You look to God. God's an ever-present reality with you, not just a Sunday morning thing. Right. Not just a once-in-a-while thing. Not just when you're reading your Bible thing. And the rest of the time, you're just all in to the world. In your mind and in your heart, your affections. People that are in love with the world. You know, if, if, if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. There you go. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. <laughs> well then, what? how do you all separate that out? What do you look at and say, now that's of the world. That's a... <coughs> all of it. Yeah. What if, if the Spirit of God dwells in you and you're led by the Spirit, how will it change your life? All right, I got some more things to say there. It means that he's, if you're led by the Spirit, it means that he is in charge of your life and your destiny, if you want to use that word, your future from this point into eternity. He's in charge. If you're led by the Spirit, then God's in charge. And what he does with me is his business. Now, if that's not true, you're not led by the Spirit. How can you be led by the Spirit if you're calling the shots and you're making the decisions and you're making the choices about everything, where your life's going and what you're going to be and everything else? It means that uh, you don't have plans or dreams that He can't alter at His will. And if He does, he, He'll have your full compliance and yielding to His will no matter what you think it may have cost you. Y'all listening? That's what it means to be led by the Spirit. You don't have any plans or dreams that God can't interrupt and you're okay with it. If not, then who's leading? You or God? It does not mean that we're necessarily conscious of what He's doing or what He has in mind for us. We're simply trusting and waiting. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. You ever had to do that? Yes. Wait on the Lord. And, you know, you put your trust in the Lord and He'll direct your... Yes. It doesn't mean that we're aware of what He's doing all the time. To be led by the Spirit is not to be some kind of kook about it and turn it into some kind of superstitious fascination. I've sat and listened to people talk about how the Spirit of God woke them up in the middle of the night and said to me, you get in your car and you go out your driveway and told them every turn to make, turn right, turn left, turn right again, go two miles. I've heard that kind of testimony. And, and it was all about getting a little kid some milk or something. That's what it ended up being. But the Holy Ghost was so real to him to lead him that way. That is not the Holy Ghost. It's not the work of the Holy Ghost of God to do that. That is superstitious fascination nonsense. The devil is in it. The devil's in that stuff. It's, it moves everybody. It, it moves everybody off course about the Spirit of God. What he really does, man, man that don't match up to this. Man. I wish I had a walk with God where He'd wake me up in the night and talk to me like that. And give me specific instructions. I've never had it that way. I'll be honest with you. I've never had it that way. Most of my life's been like, nah, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening next or what I'm going to do. <laughs> God don't hand you a written out plan. He just don't do that for anybody. All these... 
detailed, extravagant plans for our life. You know, God has a plan for your life. That's another thing. Don't get me off on that. Everybody thinks they know. They got a plan for their life. That's what it is. And they want God to get on board with them. And when He don't, they'll get mad at Him and quit. The way it really works with the Holy Ghost, if you're being led by the Spirit of God, then you don't know what's happening. Really. Right now. Let me explain that a little bit better here. Maybe a little down the line here. But but I'm just saying that you shouldn't be a kook about it. When you do that, that kind of nonsense, you're opening up your mind to fascinating imaginations and looking for evidence of the Spirit of God in physical phenomena and coincidences or uh, things like that. You're opening it wide open for the spirits of devils to come in. You hear me? When you get off in that la-la land and acting like you're acting spiritual by that kind of nonsense, you're opening up to the devil. In fact, the devil's probably already in. And that's where all that nonsense is coming from. For them, it's like throwing worms. For the devils, it's like throwing worms to hungry fish who take the hook ravenously. Well, wouldn't that be fun, white to fish like that? Just throw them out there. If you ever just throw your worms in the water and watch the fish eat them? That's what it's like. That's what this is like. People who are like that, who are just, they just, they love that superstitious, fascinating stuff. But boy, the devil's just, he can, they're just toys in the devil's hands. Boy, he can manipulate them and use them to mess up everybody that listens to them. Right? I've known preachers through the years. Just like that. And they messed people up, let me tell you. I've known just people sitting in the pew that were like that. I've known people that won't even go to church that are like that. Tell you all kinds of wild stories, just like what I told you a while ago. About Jesus, just boy, he's so close and the Spirit of God just woos them and does things for them and they won't even go to church. I don't believe a word they say. That's a bunch of the devil right there. We're talking about how you know the Holy Spirit. How you recognize Him. How you see Him working. And it's the other half of this spiritual warfare business. Without the Spirit of God, we can't do nothing. I mean, it's, we're grounded for sure. It's obvious to me in my life that I had no idea what God was doing with me most of the time. It's only looking back now that I can see His hand in places in my life where I would have made other choices, where I'd have turned a different way and He turned me this way. Through circumstances, through, I don't know, just He just did it. It was not my doing, He did it. I can look back and see that. Now I can't look to tomorrow and see that. But if I'm being led by the Spirit, I can look back. If I know I'm being led, I know if I'm being led by the Spirit of God, by the direction my soul is taking. Which way am I headed? Which way am I looking? Am I looking to heaven? Or am I looking out to this world? Am I looking to this life? Am I more concerned about what I'm going to accomplish and what I'm going to obtain and what I'm going to pile up in this life? Or am I more concerned about eternity and the eternal things that, that matter and the souls of men? What am I really? I can tell if I'm being led by the Spirit by which way my heart, my mind, my soul is looking and walking. You all understand that? If you're headed to heaven, you'll be if if you're going to heaven, you'll be traveling the road that leads there. I know I'm being led by God because the Spirit itself bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. Romans eight, verse sixteen, down in the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So those things help me to know if I'm being led by the Spirit or not. 
success and health and happiness in this life is not evidence that I'm led by the Spirit of God. Just everything good and success and wealth and happiness and everything just being good for me. If, it, if things go well for me, that doesn't mean the Spirit of God is leading me. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And in Mark, it says there that, uh, you know, he was baptized by John. He came up out of the water. There was a voice from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Ghost sent it in the form of a dove and led on him. And then the next verse says, Immediately after these things, he was driven to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for today. People talk about their mountaintop and valley experiences. Well, there's your one right there. The Jesus suffering. <laughs> and, and that's a fact of spiritual life. You better get that. And more so in your early days. Everything, it doesn't stop. But you get so used to it that you learn to handle it better. The older you get and the farther along you get, the more you learn. It's like I've told you in all of this matter. If you feel like you've won a great victory, I told that lady there, I said, you just, I said, we're praying for you. But I said, you better keep the hatches batting because the devil ain't going to give up. He'll be back. And I've told you, if you think you've won a great victory, you better take cover because the devil is going to shoot back. You're not going to lob one over on him and him just sit there and take it. He's coming after you. That is so true. I've learned to expect it. I really have. And you're better prepared to deal with it and to defend yourself and yours when you realize that and you do prepare for it. Sometimes the Spirit leads us into trials and troubles. That's what Jesus, I mean, tempted of the devil. That's what it was. Trials. After 40 days, he was unhungry. He was hungry. Man, I was hungry from the crackers I ate this morning until 3 o'clock. I was hungry. But... Forty days, forty nights. Sometimes the Spirit forbids us to do something that we and everybody else would think is the perfect will of God. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 70. And now when they had gone, talking about Paul and Barnabas, when they had gone throughout uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. You hear that? Forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Well, how many churches you've been in where they felt where they thought that was would be right? I mean, what if a missionary come back and said, told his church, he said, "Well, I went there and the Holy Spirit told me to leave. Said they wasn't told me not to preach the word there. You think they'd believe him? Of course not. We're to preach. We're to preach the gospel to all the world, to every creature, no matter what. Paul had that same commission. Do you realize that? But the Holy Ghost said, not there. Not now. And that ain't all. The next verse, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So see, when we're led by the Spirit, a lot of the carnal Christians, I don't believe that's a real thing, but I'm just saying to people that say they're Christians and carnal, they say, well, the Spirit, they ain't, they're not being led by the Spirit because this is what the, you see. But there it is. Sometimes the Spirit of God forbids us to do what everybody else thinks is the thing to do. Brother Kenny gave me a tract 40 years ago. I still got it. But it says, Others may, you cannot. And that was the whole tract. You know, you others can go and do things and succeed and they'll get praise for it, but something in you just won't let you do that. You have, uh, and that was the whole track. That was the message of the whole track. You know what the difference is? The Spirit of God. That's what the difference is. Some people can do anything. Go anywhere. Do what they want. They can make their plans, their dreams. They can do all their work. Works. And everybody just, hallelujah, praise God. Look what God's done. Other people just can't do that. Won't do that. Who gets the praise? The ones who do it anyway. Well, the Spirit of God's like that. We know we're led by the Spirit when we're helped in our infirmities. Mm-hmm. 
the Spirit itself helpeth us in our infirmities. Infirmities is weakness. It's, it's where we just can't reach. Infirmity is, is weakness, sickness, you know, inability to... The Spirit of God helps us with that. <laughs> you know you're led by the Spirit of God when He helps you to do things you can't do. When you're helped. When we realize that we've been strengthened and helped in our soul and spirit and it was by the hand of God and not ours or someone else's devices. You ever had that experience? Have you ever been in just such a spot that, that it was impossible? I mean, and the Lord, had, and there was nothing to do, nothing to be done that you could do. And the, I mean, have you ever been so discouraged that you just couldn't hardly breathe? And then the, and then the Lord just out of nowhere, just out of nowhere, or. You know, it, it, it don't come out of nowhere. It comes from the Word of God by the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been there where the Lord just just gave you strength? I mean, it just came from nowhere until you just you were strengthened. Yes, sir. You just felt it. All of a sudden. And that's how it happens. All of a sudden. It's not gradual. I'm not talking about that. It's not a gradual thing. It's just all of a sudden. Yes. I can see. All of a sudden, yeah, I'm going to make it. Yes. I can go. I can get up and go. Yeah. I've wanted to do things that the Lord didn't let me do. Yeah. Just didn't let me do. No matter how bad I wanted to do. No matter how much I tried to do. Was it uh, evil? No, it wasn't evil. It's just the Spirit of God leading me. God knows you better than you know you, by far. God knows me better than I know me. And God knew me before I ever was formed in my mother's womb. He knew me. Jeremiah was called from his mother's womb. Think about that. Explain that to me. John Baptist filled the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. God knows better than I know. And so he knows way down the road a lot that I don't know, all that I don't know. And so he leads me if I will follow. He'll lead me. If I'm willing, then he will lead me. Even if I'm unconscious of his leading, if I'm totally oblivious to what he's doing, he'll lead me. I'll find out later what he's doing. Well, hallelujah about that. When we're led by, we know we're led by the Spirit of God when there's peace and not turmoil and confusion and controversy in our mind and in our heart. You hear me? If you're led by the Spirit of God, there's not going to be that. You can have trouble and you can have trials and temptations. Jesus did. But there's not going to be that inward turmoil and and just, y'all know what I'm talking about, confusion and questions and just darkness. If the Spirit of God's leading you, you won't have that. You may not know what in the world you're going to do, but it's okay. You know, you've all heard the story about George Mueller and setting all them orphans down. They didn't have no food at all and... He had them bow their heads and they thanked God for the potatoes. And the kids looked at each other and said he's lost his mind completely. There's not a potato in this house. And while he was praying, the potato wagon turned over and the potatoes rolled right down and hit the door. And they had their potatoes. How does somebody... And that's a true story. How How did George Mueller go from a womanizing, stealing dishonest, lazy, worthless human being that he was in college while he was studying to be a Lutheran minister. How did he go from that to that? Distrust in God. 
thinking led by the Spirit. That's how. That's how. And he had experienced it for long enough till it was such a reality. It's just like when Jesus walked up to Lazarus' tomb and he didn't pray to the Father, now Lord, please show these people and, and please raise Lazarus from the dead right here. No, he just, what did he do? He said, Father, I thank thee for what he'd already done. I mean, he thanked God for Lazarus coming out of the tomb before Lazarus ever come out of the tomb. <laughs> I've, I've wondered sometimes, maybe you think I'm a little off on this too, but I'm wondering sometimes if Lazarus wasn't already sitting up in there waiting for Jesus to say, come on out of there, Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. He thanked God for raising him from the dead. And then he said, Lazarus, come on, come forth. <laughs> well, we're led by the Spirit when we realize we're gaining ground spiritually and growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord. If you're stagnant, if you're not growing, if things aren't getting better in your soul, if the light's not shining brighter, the path of the just uh, shineth brighter and brighter until that perfect day. The Christian life is not just uh, withering away to nothing and then dying. The Christian life is better and better and better. The longer I serve Him, the sweeter He grows. The more that I love Him, the more love He bestows. We sang that the other day. Yeah. A lot of these songs testify, it was people testifying to this fact. You know you're being led by the Spirit if it's getting better and better. There's no comparison now to what, it, for me, now to what it was 30 years ago, even 10 years ago. So, well, you already started this job. Yeah. I'm, it's just better and better. It's brighter and brighter. It's bigger and bigger. It's more wonderful every day. Now, if you're led by the Spirit, that'll be the way it is. You're not just going to wither up and just slide out of the church and go back to your life. That ain't, that, you're not being led by the Spirit. The Spirit's never going to lead you that way. It's the absolute opposite the other way. Now, one more thing. We know we're led by God when truth and understanding is the, <coughs> is the continual work that's going on in our soul. Truth and understanding. It's what I was saying a while ago, how that, you know, there's just time, from time to time, there should be experiences in your life. If you're being led by the Spirit, there will be. When the truth just lights up more for you. You just get better understanding. Uh, David said, He hath enlarged my steps. He brought me out into a large place. You know what he's talking about? It's like climbing up on a mountain. You're down at the foot of the mountain. You can't see nothing. And you climb up a little bit and you can see a little ways. And you get up on top of the mountain, you can see. And it's that way with this. You get up a little higher. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. That's what the song's about. Is it that way? Is that your experience? Being led by the Spirit will change your experience. There's a great difference between what your experience will be when you're led by the Lord, led by the Spirit of God, and when you're just making your own way through life, walking after the flesh. These are just a few things. I didn't want to get too deep in it here tonight, but what is, what is the Holy Ghost's work and the evidence and the manifestation of the Spirit? How do we know the presence of the Spirit of God? We've been reading Tozier, these quotes, this book we got. We read a little bit of it every day, and that's what he's been talking about, the Spirit of God, which has just been going along real good with what I've been thinking about here. But what was that thing he said this morning about uh, a lot of people just think emotions and feelings, that's the Holy Ghost. That's how they judge the Spirit of God in their own soul, or in a service. And you know that's the way it is. You know, I know that's the way it is. I've been in church long enough. If people get happy and shout, and there's big excitement, oh, the Spirit of God really visited us tonight. 
I've seen all that going on and then unspeakable things going on outside or back in the back. That ain't the Holy Ghost. That ain't the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Spirit comes in and is manifested in a group of people, there'll be silence most of the time. Tears of joy or of worship. This The Spirit of God. Better know Him. Better be acquainted with Him. Without Him, we cannot face the powers of darkness and hope for any kind of victory here in this life. That's why He's here. Do you know that? Why did God send the Comforter? When Jesus went back to heaven, why didn't He just leave, leave everything like it was before Jesus came? Well, he meant for there to be a difference. This is the last of the deal. This is the final thing, you know. This is the, you know, until Jesus comes and takes the church out of this world. This is God's final work in redeeming man. I mean, so it should be different. God's people should be different kind of people. They should be holy people. They should be filled with the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of the world and of devils. All right, I, 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 could quit. I said I'd be brief. Father, thank You. Thank You for the truths here mentioned. I pray You'd help us to remember these things and to ponder them. Go home and study this matter and look in the mirror you know, of our own heart and <coughs> see if we truly are led by the Spirit, if we're yielded. If you can have your way with us, we sing, let him have your his way with you, but it, do you really have your way with us? I pray we'd all examine ourselves to see about this matter. Lord, we need you. We need your spirit to lead and guide us. And Lord, help us in this, in this battle that we're in. Please go with us now. pray you watch over everybody as they go home on the road. Pray you'd work in hearts this week and in the homes of this church. Please help everybody's home to be a place of rest and peace and joy and and love. And bless our church, I pray, and help us to be effective and make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen.